Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known fact of the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. known fact about my guest today. When he was young, his parents were close friends with a couple who were starting a band, the Miami Sound Machine, and well, we all know who they turned out to be. The great Gloria and Emilio Estefan were tremendously influential in my guest's desire to become a part of the art community and to be an artist himself. And he recently directed a production of Rent in Cuba where his family was from, and he made a documentary about his experience, and it's called Revolution Rent, and it's a really, really great doc that you can see on HBO Max, and I'm so thrilled to have the wonderful Andy Senor Jr. on the podcast. Welcome, Andy. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is the actor and director Andy Senor Jr. Andy's documentary Revolution Rent can be seen on HBO and HBO Max. The film follows Andy to Cuba where he is tasked with directing a stage production of the Tony and Pulitzer winning musical Rent, Cuba's first Broadway musical produced by an American company in more than 50 years. Returning to his exiled parents' homeland, Andy embarks on a personal journey as he rat as he reimagines the show with a Cuban context, exploring his family's heritage and the complex relationship they have with the country they love. Andy played the role of Angel in the Broadway production of Rent and in the London production and in the national tour and has since directed many, many productions of the show. I am so thrilled to welcome Andy to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, Buenos dias. I am so honored to have you. I am one of the lucky ones who saw Rent many times and had the great fortune of seeing you in it. One of the times I tried to look through my um, my beloved Playbill collection to see if I could find one, but it's it's too much uh, to go through. Well, too yeah. many. Yeah, I, but I, I. You know what? I did the show so many times. I'm sure you saw me. I definitely <laughs> saw you and and um, and have so many friends who got to be in the show and just love you so much. So, A, thank you for your beautiful work in the show. Um, I got to see Revolution Rent. And, you know, we were talking before we started recording that this was a film that started um, its journey many, many years ago. And I wonder if you can tell me uh, what year it was when you got the call saying we want you to direct this in Cuba. Yes, uh, I got the call in 2014. Baby Andy got the call. (laughs) Early 2014, I got the call. Yeah. And so 
you know, a lot of this is documented in this beautiful documentary. Um, but I want to just hear your, there, there are things that probably didn't make it into the actual film. Um, and so I guess if you could just talk me through where the story begins for you. Where the story begins for me, you know, I, you know, in the film, there's a part that uh, Adam Pascal says in one of his interviews, he says that he feels like he's, it was the inter interview that he was doing with Charlie Rose, I think it is. And he says, I feel like I've been preparing for this my whole life. Uh, and that's why uh, uh, that, that little section is in there because I really do feel like I was preparing uh, for that moment my whole entire life. Um, as a Cuban American, as a uh, theater actor, um, my own personal convictions and sensibilities and my, my journey with Rent, uh, all cum culminating in that call that I get from, uh, the, uh, Bob, from Bob Niederlander and Tom Schilling asking if I would go put up the show in Cuba. Um, that was definitely, and, and being in Cuba, when I was putting up the show, I was like, this is my life purpose. <laughs> like this is, this is what, like everything was for this now at this particular moment. It's so incredible because so few of us can really point to that moment um, where everything comes together in this beautiful kind of dramatic movie musical moment as it did. Um, I wanna just go back for a minute because What's so powerful in this story, and I think, you know, everyone listening may or may not be aware of sort of the, the politics that made this particular journey complicated, beautiful, revelatory in all the ways that unfold in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I've said it. I love your documentary. I love documentaries. Uh -huh. I particularly love this documentary because it brings what together. What about it? Like, and again, like only my friends, like, I don't I haven't heard from any people who I don't personally know yeah I have seen it so like what 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 is it that 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 stuck with you well I thought what was really incredible is how much the action I mean I'm a I'm a lover of the musical um and and just and its legacy and so to see a production where not only um not only was it uh bringing this story to a new musical theater family, both to enjoy as an audience and for the people in it, how much so many of the kids or your actors, I don't know how old they were, how much their lives, even when you did this, felt like they were these characters in terms of the way the story represented how hard it is to be a marginalized person, to try to make it as an artist in a world that isn't supporting your vision of how you want to live your life. So to be in this political climate, to be in this country that has a history that's very fraught in the ways that it that it has had for, for certainly your family, among others specifically. Um, and so to see this, this piece of art come together with this particular group of people at the exact moment that it was happening and see their lives reflected in the way that we as audience members and lovers of this show have always felt, um, that no matter what year this play is done and no matter where you are in the world, there is something about what Jonathan Larson created with the help of all the beautiful artists like you who have continued to, to bring it forth into the world. It really struck me. And then 
in every great documentary, there's the there's the B story, right? The thing you're not expecting, which is your mom in a cemetery looking for for a tombstone. And I could start crying right now because understanding what it took, and I don't want to be a spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> uh, person who forgets to say spoiler alert. But that is the thing that in every great documentary, there's the thing that you don't go in knowing if you're storyboarding your documentary or outlining it yeah. and, and you got this diamond, right? Like you won the jackpot of what a filmmaker dreams of, which is I'm going to do a, you know, a movie about making rent in Cuba. And then my mother decides to come. Yeah. But my mom's going to steal the show. <laughs> <laughs> it floored me. It's, thank it's, you for saying all this. It's so, it's, it's, it's so nice to hear that all the all the things that I wanted to put in the in the film are being seen because mm. uh, you know I, I'm I'm a rent head at the same time of being a, a you know an actor in it and a director of it so I, I I'm feeling it with all sorts of like nuance and detail that I was like I don't know if anyone's going to pick any of this up at all but to your point I, the, the the only agenda was to share it Mm. And and I know it is a documentary, but it, I think it, it it is a documentary maybe in its truest sense that it just documents what happened. It's not a, an, a, a, an agenda documentary. It's just this is what happened, like as it happened. I want to go behind the scenes with you a little bit because the movie speaks for itself and everyone just either, you know, borrow your friend's HBO Max password if you don't have one. Andy is not. Uh, Can you say that? that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> you are not saying it. No, I've I mean, said it. But, like, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, like, have you seen the content on HBO? How like, like us, you know, putting things aside, it's incredible content. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely subscribe. But I'm just saying if you only want to watch this one thing because you have budgetary concerns right now, we'll we'll figure out a way for you to see it. But um, when did you fall in love with theater? What was like the, you know, you're this this kid of, of Cuban-American descent in Miami. Um, tell me, like, what opened the doors for you to this life? Okay, great. Yeah. And, and this is going to be another one of those like, aha, like come together moments um, that was actually happening simultaneously. Um, my family uh, in here in Miami, because I'm in Miami today, um, they were in the Latin music industry and um, family, uh, very, very, very close family friends that I could call family as well, uh, had uh, nightclubs. Um, here in Miami where they would do like Las Vegas style cabaret shows and then like the biggest Latin uh, stars and Cuban exile artists like Celia Cruz would perform at these nightclubs and the house band was my dad's band and around the same time there was a very broke couple that used to come eat at the house that had their own band called the Miami Sound Machine and so they were eating in my kitchen kitchen and we're all you know I was a a baby boy, like, like literally a baby, like maybe. Yeah. Um, and we're all in this house together and going to parties. And so I grew up in this whole entire, like very local Miami uh, world of entertainment. Huh. And so as I got into junior high, um, I, I was really bad at everything. I was bad at sports. I was bad at skateboarding. I, I you know, 
just I was not good at much. But when it came to music, I was good. And when it came to singing, I was good, but I was very shy about it. Mm. And I did my first play in high school. And um, because a friend of mine said, hey, let's go be in a play. And I was like, okay. Um, and then someone said, you were really good in that. And I was like, oh, whoa, I was good at something. And then, um, and then when, when we got to high school, um, I did my first musical, which was Pippin. And uh, there, just being part of that, of the community, uh, the, the group of friends, I found a place where I felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I sang that song, that song, sweet summer evenings, hot wine and bread. And like, that was my, my moment. Um, yeah. And they gave me a best supporting actor award for, for Pippin. <laughs> and that was like my first trophy for something. And I, so that was like, really something for me now I always I always knew that I wanted to sing but I was afraid that I wanted to be a singer because also at that moment um that couple that was eating in my kitchen that had the band started becoming really famous with their songs conga and anything for you and one two three and Gloria and Emilio became this like Gloria and Emilio Stefan became this thing um so I was embarrassed to say like that I wanted to be a singer um so, you know, and I was loving musical theater so, 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 so much. And, um, and so that's, that's how I initially uh, began. But, uh, you know, definitely it was my love of music and, and, and the art, but also like the, the sense of community that I was finding um, that, that, that theater provided me. And like, uh, it was, you know, the, the home that it created for me. So then um, that took me into into college where I uh, studied it uh, seriously. And um, do you want me to continue? Forever. Forever. Great. And then, in, you know, in college was doing, uh, you know, was was in theater, was an orientation leader, was in a fraternity. I'm very social. So I was like, you know, you know, walking around campus. I knew everybody um, and, you know, like doing the theater shows and everybody coming to see the plays and whatnot. And um, in my last year, I was like, all right, what's going to happen now? And I was like, you know what? I, I, I did a study abroad. I went to London mm. and I saw 13 shows. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And oh I was God. like, I didn't really want to take this seriously. Like, I really want to, like, seriously. Had you been to New York to see a Broadway show before you were seeing things on the West End? Never. Never. No. Okay. No. Crazy. Crazy. My first yeah. shows were either, the, you know, the, the tours that would come through Miami or, like, you know, in, uh, in the West End in London. And I decided that I would go and get my, uh, my master's in... Um, in, in acting, in, uh, in performance. So I started auditioning for graduate schools. Around the same exact time um, that uh, when I was, the night that I was packing to go to London to do the, the, stu- the study abroad, I was watching the Tony Awards. 25 years ago, I was, I was uh, 21 years old and I was sitting in my room and I was packing and I was watching the Tony Awards and I saw, and I, I, I watched them every year and I always kept them on my, you know, on my VHS and my, on my, on my tapes. And I saw Wilson Heredia win a Tony Award for Angel. And I looked at him, I was like, well, this guy, like this guy could be my brother. And 
I was, that was the first time where I saw someone that like, where I saw like a real possibility for me to, to, to do what it is that I love professionally. Um, and then I watched them sing Seasons of Love and uh, do um, La Bi Boheme. And I was just frozen. Yeah. I was frozen. And I, I, I think I watched it like 20 times before I got on the plane the next day. Cause I was just like, this is, this is amazing. And then I had to wait for the soundtrack to come out. And mm-hmm. then finally the soundtrack came out and I wore that out. Like no one. Of course. Like, of like course. everyone did. I yeah. Like, it's just what we did. Yeah. And I was obsessed. I was going up and down the university uh, um, at FIU singing these songs. But I have this photo of me, of my desk. And, uh, I, um, and on my desk, you see tons of like photos of the original cast and, you know, magazines and whatnot. And, I, you know, I was obsessed with Rent. So then I can't find it anyway. Oh, wait. Um, okay. Will you send it to me so that I can... Uh, or, or if you find it at the end, I want to share it. We can share it on social media. So people, sure. yeah. So, um, so I'm auditioning. So I, I decide I'm going to audition for grad school and take this seriously being a, you know, big, huge rent head. Um, I sign up to, to audition for university of California, San Diego, UCSD. And I walk into my audition and sitting there is Michael Greif. And because why? Because he's the he's the artistic director for the La Jolla Playhouse. And I'm like super nervous. I was like, oh, my God, that's the guy who directed Rent. Uh, I do my two monologues and like he, and he's very entertained by them. And then I just I say to him, Mr. Graf, I just have to say I, I love Rent so much, so, so much. He's like, OK, great. Thank you. And then um, so he gives I get a call back. I do two other monologues. And then uh, after one of them, he's just he's in he's in tears. And we finished the, we finished the, uh, the auditions. He's leaving and he's walking to the elevator. Um, and uh, I stopped the elevator door and I'm with my best friend, uh, Danny Pino. Um, do you know Danny? Yeah. So with, yeah. So I'm with Danny. Yeah. Um, and cause he's also auditioning for, for the school as well. And I stopped the elevator door and I say, Mr. Uh, sorry, Mr. Greif, I hate to bug you, but I would really love to audition for Rent. Is there any way that I can do that? And he steps out of the elevator. He's like, can you sing? I was like, like a bird. Mm. Yes. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then Danny's like, oh, he can sing. Oh, you should hear him sing. He sings, he sings so good. Sing right now. And I was like, no, uh, no, I'm not going to sing right now. But if you want me to sing right now, I'll sing right now. And he's like, no, no one needs to sing right now. Uh, and, and then he says, you need to call this number immediately. This is Bernie Tussie Casting's office. You need to call them and you need to give them your information. And so I did. And then weeks later, I'm auditioning for the show. Um, I didn't need my audition packet because I knew everything by heart. And they were like, you know, they were like, hey, here, sing, sing this. And they give me the, the, the lyrics and the music. I was like, I don't need that. <laughs> I was just like, just singing it all. And they were just like, they were so amused and having fun with me. And then I finished my audition. And the next day they called me and they said, we'd like to, um, we'd like to give you an offer for the, for the first national tour. I'm uh, sorry, the second national tour that's going to start uh, in uh, 
in California. And I was, and I was floored. I, my, my intentions were I was, I was going to go to graduate school and see what happens. But Michael put me in rent instead. That is, I mean, the number that, I mean, I have done about 260 conversations and probably 200 of my guests auditioned for rent. Most of them by finding like a slip of paper on a telephone pole in New York City saying, can you, can you sing? Um, you know, because Telsey cast such a wide net in terms of where they were looking for talent, especially yeah. for the very first production. But what a like lesson in sort of um, stopping the elevator. I mean, also you, the the full circle-ness of, of growing up with Gloria and Amelia Estefan and, and then working on their Broadway show. Um, well, on your feet. Well, that's, 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 that's where it, it it, the culminating point again happens because at the same time that um, I'm so, so, okay. So I tell my mom that I get the call to go to Cuba. And then my mom is like, no, you're crazy. Absolutely not. No, you should talk to Gloria and Emilio about it. Uh, and I was like, okay, fine. So I call Gloria. I was like, Gloria, da, 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 da. I got this offer and I tell her every, every reason why I want to go. And she's like, baby, you have to go. This is for the artists. You have to go. She's like, I can't, you know, I'm the voice of the exile community, but, but like, you can, you have to go. She's like, oh, and by the way, uh, we found a director for my musical that I'm doing. And she's like, I'm like, oh, who's the director? She's like, Jerry Mitchell. I was like, oh, I'm writing him right now. <laughs> so, so you I worked with Jerry before. Never, no. Right. So I write Jerry. I was like, Jerry, I would love to be your associate director. And here's why. <laughs> Incredible. And so the timing of that all worked out. Let's just say that on one particular day, I am rehearsing on New 42nd Street with Gloria, Emilio, Jerry, Sergio, uh, million dollar um, uh, budget and overlooking Times Square. And the next morning, I'm flying to Cuba and that afternoon I am in uh, like what they call Revolution Square uh, at the ninth floor of the, the of the ninth of the National Theater uh, with zero budget. Yeah. Rehearsing rent. Yeah. With like holding up candles because there's never electricity for you because to count that. Electricity. And that was happening. Those two projects were happening at the same time, both dealing with Cuba in very different ways and different stories. Unbelievable. How did you, when you first, you know, uh, land and, and, and in the kind of pre-production conversations, um, you ended up with just this, it's so exciting to see your cast and, and sort of the, um, what it is to try to get people who are not used to the demands of a Broadway rehearsal schedule, forget even eight shows a week, sort of what it yeah. means. And, and you see them like, you know, trying to manage 14 other jobs and, and really figure out how to negotiate what it is to do this show. But how did you, you know, the way Telsey used to put like, do you want to audition for rent, you know, little post-its up all over New York City. How did you guys really at the very beginning start your casting process to find anybody? Well, there they have this system where you have to be evaluated in order to be considered professional and only and if we're doing this with the ministry of culture we were only supposed to be using people that were you know formally evaluated um so that we can use them and now 
mind you, casting rent in, in the world alone is incredibly difficult. And then now we're happy, having to do it in Cuba. And then, and then they're telling us that it has to be, you know, a certain group of people. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work out at all. So that's when I started getting nervous. Cause like, I know how I get about, you know, I'm, I, I'm very transparent and I say exactly what it is that I need to say. And it's like, and I'm going to be that in Cuba. Like, this is who you're bringing over. <laughs> and so my mom, I think was, that's, a lot of her worry was like, Andy's going to get in trouble there because he's going to say something that they're not going to like. I said a lot of things that they didn't like, but I was just like, this is who I am. This is what I'm here for. And I am, and I am clear about this. So I was like, all right, so this rule that you guys have, that's not going to cut it. Well, it has to. I was like, well, then you need to find somebody else because I'm not doing it. And is this the culture of of of, of ministry? Uh, what was it called? Ministry arts culture? Is that yeah, is that, that your sort of liaison? That was my between liaison. Cuba and your show. Exactly, and then and they're like, okay, so all right, so then we'll change that. Um, I was like, yeah, we have to change that. So then we started seeing more people and so forth. Um, so yeah, we started like, you know, going into different provinces and asking, uh, you know, bands and like finding a Roger was nearly impossible. Yeah, nearly but you impossible. did, but, but you did. did. Yeah, we did. Oh my God, the doctor. The doctor. The doctor in that movie. Oh, guys, that's all I'm saying. There's the a sidebar, doctor. the doctor. That scene, that woman, little magical moments like that of people you when the oracle (laughs) (laughs) so crazy and looks like an oracle and like the whole thing and like you are healed yes (laughs) and she's the the, the spirit of cuba you know you know what what i love about that but that particular moment is can you set it up just because i literally popped in my head and now people are like a doctor doctor, it's like you know it gets really tough with my time there and i get sick and um and so I go see this doctor, this Cuban doctor. And I think I'm, that I'm, I'm going for like, you know, typical medicine. And she gives me like, she gives me, she wakes me up. She gives you witchcraft in the best way. Exactly. And what I love is that, you know, as an American, I, I, I you know, I think that I'm going to go into Cuba and I'm going to work with these kids and do this thing. And it's like, yeah. no, like that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's just not the case. Like I, I really learned is like, oh, we're doing this together. And I'm not here to give, you know, bring something to them because they're, you know, the, the, the kind of provocative theater that they're doing is way past what Rent is, hmm. um, which what I, is what I found fascinating. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to get the show going, but I love that, that it's this Cuban, you know, doctor who who just like gives me the wake-up call of, of how of who it is that I need to be in order to get this thing done yeah um and yeah I, I'm, I'm like mothered in that moment uh in in the most be in the most beautiful way yeah it's a really great it's a really great surprise in the middle of this story and and I feel so deeply for you as I'm watching the movie and I'm like oh just that idea of like losing your voice and feeling so sick and yeah. And then just dealing with like this cast of young people who you you have to kind of, you know, as in every show, like you have to create a family. And these are really disparate experiences and, and personalities. I mean, did anyone in the show know each other before? 
Yeah, a lot Someday. of them know each other already. Okay. You know, the hard thing about the family thing is like you know you know rent is uh, is about creating this 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 bond and 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 bringing these people together, and but it's like in Cuba that's 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 all it is. They they try mm -hmm. to you know it's this thing of of, of constantly, you know, um, in, in, like, it's not that they're stripping away individuality, but it's it 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 is about this group mentality, and they fight for their individuality. So now they're inside the you know the the theater space where they're used to expressing their you know freely and openly and their individuality i'm like okay yes but we need to form we need to come together so it's like this accordion kind of thing that that that's happening and and such a such a flirt and such a play with political ideology inside of theater right like it, it goes it's 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 so in and out of like you know, individualistic versus socialistic. <laughs> like in, in the Were you happy world. with the final translation, the, the final Spanish translation that the show was done in? Do you feel like it captured what you wanted it to capture? I feel, yes, I feel like we definitely got there. Um, always still a little weird, not exactly quite it, but, but, um, but definitely, definitely communicated um, and, um, and, and was, you know, nevertheless effective. So did your mom get to see the show? My mom did not get to see the show. So she left before the show opened. Um, we, for, for storytelling, we, we never say that my mom saw the show. Right. My mom went right after the show. Oh, okay. Yes. So she, she that came. Right okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so that, show that company uh is there a chance that it will reunite and sort of tour you know wouldn't that be a dream yeah and you know what the dream would be to get those actors paid uh an amazing salary to go tour and to be and to be done all over the world That's, yeah that for me would be the real dream yeah because in the end what you see in this film of the production it's good yeah, no, they're fantastic. It's so and, good. And today they would be even better. And yeah. it would be incredible to bring them together to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think the incredible part would be to, to have their work acknowledged in, in, in a way that, that honors, um, uh, how do I say it, that, that uh, puts money in their pocket and, and provides a life that they can be proud of for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So are you going to be directing more productions of Rent in the future? As of right now, I'm sure there's another Japan. I do it every two years in Japan. Um, so I'm sure there's, uh, there's another one coming up. Just, I just did last year, I did Korea and, and, and Japan as well. Oh my God. I also, um, you did a remarkable job directing and sort of producing and curating this beautiful anniversary uh, uh, celebration of Ren earlier this year. And it couldn't have come during the year where we needed to just touch base with that show again and with each other and to see so many of the original cast members and to learn the story deeply of, of the New York Theater Workshop production. And there were still people who probably didn't really know what happened to Jonathan. Exactly. Um, you know, there's the the legacy of the thing, but really like imagining what it was for him to not show up at the theater the next day yeah. for that first, pre I mean, astonishing. 
Um, Can you imagine what that was for for little twenty one year old Andy to be sitting there putting that together for yeah. with the original cast? And I, I, like I was blown away every single day. I was like, I cannot believe. It. Of course, of course, I I'm know. The one that gets to, I like, I'm the one that gets to do this. This is yeah. crazy. Yeah, uh, and and have done you know so much, or that Michael came to Cuba with you, like Michael Greif, who like you chase into the elevator, is like. He's I want to be with you on this journey. He is, he is one of the most dearest people in my life. He came to visit my boyfriend and I in Barcelona a couple of years ago. He's coming this, this, uh, this year. I, we text at least, at least once a week, him and I text. Um, he's so proud of, of the film. Um, he loved the 25 year anniversary, which that, that it, it means the world to me that he, that he um, that he that he feels proud. Uh, you know, we say a lot. Thank you, Jonathan Larson, and I say it all the time. I'm so grateful, you know, for Jonathan's work, but I'm equally grateful for Michael because um, he created it with Jonathan and 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 helped really make it what it is. And and Michael gave us all all our opportunities. Incredible. Well, thank you for, for sharing so much of your story today and, and being such a, a light, such a beacon and such a light. And, you know, it's just a, a remarkable thing what you continue to do. And, and when you kind of the headiness of how many generations now um, have fallen in love with the show and will continue to fall in love with the show. And, and as I said earlier, when you asked why was this documentary so winning for me and so successful is that it once again told this story in a new context, a new generation. Um, and yet it, it resonated so deeply because it continues to be our story, whoever the hour is when they're, when they're doing it. Yeah. Deeply. And to know that audiences were so deeply affected. I mean, that was a very successful run that you guys had. And and what it did for those actors, for a handful of them, where, you know, how their lives turned out. Um, Andy, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for being on the show today. What a joy. Before I let you go, what is a little known fact about Andy Senor Jr.? A little known, like very, like not so known, but a little known fact. Ah, <laughs> a little known fact um, is that, um, you know, the last time I was on, on, on a stage as a performer, I think was in 2009, 2010, 2010. So it's been, 50, how long has it been now? Are you going to make me do math? I don't know. Well, how, it's been however long. 11 years. 11 years. And I'm interested in acting again. And it scares me to even say it because yeah. I've just been directing and producing and working, but I'm, I'm so terrified of what that means. Um, I want to. I don't know if I'm going to, um, but I do want to. Um, Andy, thank you. I wish you the greatest success with all of it. And I can't wait thank to you. chat again. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Likewise. Thank you. A-OK. So here's one more little known fact. When I first got to New York, I met and worked with a bunch of friends who started a company called the Atlantic Theater Company, which we know remains one of the most wonderful theater companies in our country. And uh, 
I met Robin Spielberg, a wonderful actress who I adored from day one. But early on, Robin pivoted from a career in the theater to a career on stages worldwide playing piano. She is one of the most sought-after concert pianists in the world. And recently, she decided to go back to her roots and put out an album called Give My Regards to Broadway because she has always loved the great American musical. And that love started when her dad worked in New York City and every now and again, he'd come home with a shiny LP from the record store near his office. He loved the Broadway bins and he would bring them home and Robin would listen to those albums over and over again until she knew every single word to every single song. And when she was about seven, she started figuring out how to play them on the piano. And even though her career has grown and moved into so many directions, her love of Broadway has never stopped. And so here is a track from her newest album, Give My Regards to Broadway, which you can order by going to robinspielberg.com. But she reached out to me to let me know that one of her favorites on the LP is Happiness from You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. So here I am sharing it with you Thank you, Robin, and have a great day. Here's the song.
The episode was edited by Nicholas Klar. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.